get that a little later. Well, welcome to our Savior's Church this morning. I'm glad you came to church this morning. I'm glad you got up, got yourself dressed, brushed your teeth. Your neighbor's glad too. Amen. Are you cold? Okay, it's a church split. We're going to have to leave it on. <clears throat> I gave you all a chance. I mean, if you were cold, you should have said something, but do you want to suffer now? No, I'll pick it. Well, today we're going to continue on our series entitled The Heart for His House. We've been doing a series. This is week five of God's Heart for His House. We've really been talking about the house of God. We started off by talking about we are the house of God. We are the church. Each individual in here is, a, is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We are, we are God's church. We are the house. And, how, and so we've been talking about how, how important his house is to him, how much he loves his house, how much he, he cares for his house, how much he's sacrificed for his house, how much he wants to protect his house. And then we got into our core values. And our core values, if you don't know them, are, they're four, four core values, and they're connect, grow, serve, and go. That's our core values of our Savior's Church, and that's what we build everything on: is connecting, growing, serving, and going. That's who we are. You're going to see that until you're sick in the face. It's going to be plastered on the walls. It's going to be everywhere you look. Connect, grow, serve, go. Amen. Because that's what we believe God's called us to do: is to connect to Jesus, grow with others, serve on mission, and to go into all the world. That's our values. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about serving. Serving on mission is the title of today's message. You've seen a great testimony from Cody and Allie about serving. Those, these guys serve. I mean, I can call Cody at any moment. And if he doesn't have his hands tied into something else, he will drop what he's doing and he will come help me. I, I have no doubt about that. He's willing to serve. He has a servant's heart. Let me give you this little phrase this morning. Saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. So I guess the opposite would be true that unsaved people don't really serve people. What do unsaved people do? They serve themselves. Come on, you know how you were before you met Jesus? Remember? Or have you forgotten? It was all about who? Me, myself, and I. How many songs have been written about me, myself, and I? I remember a rap song. I remember a country song. Some of you are reminiscing right now. You, some of you are going to be listening to them songs the rest of the day in your mind. Me, myself, and I. If I could rap, I'd do it. Go with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. I thank you that it's going to pierce hearts this morning. And, Father, we're going to leave here changed today. No doubt, Father. Undeniable change because of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. (coughs) Saved people serve people. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, some guy who knew a lot about the Bible stood up one day and said, Jesus, what do I need to do to be saved? He wanted to test Jesus. 
Watch Jesus' response. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? I love the way Jesus always puts it back on us. How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So let me ask you that question. Who is your neighbor? Is it just a person that lives next door to you? That their dog won't stop barking at midnight? Is that your neighbor? Is it the one that throws their limbs on your side of the fence? Is that your only neighbor? Is it your block? Is it your subdivision? How do you see it? Saved people serve people. Number one, we need to see as Jesus sees. We need to get our vision corrected. Amen? We need to see as Jesus sees. Several years back, a lot of guys in the church were talking about putting on Jesus contact lenses. To where, you know how it is when you put on contacts, right? Well, if you need them, you can see. If you don't need them, you can't see, right? But you see better. And so what, what, the, what the point was is that we need to see as Jesus sees. Come on. Now, how many of you know we don't always see how Jesus sees? In fact, I believe we very seldom get it right. You want me to prove it to you? Let somebody cut you off on Highway 190. And let's see if you see them as Jesus sees them. You may want to lay hands on them, but it ain't like Jesus wants to lay hands on them. Amen? You might want to do it repeatedly. See as Jesus sees. As you and I follow Jesus, he's going to change us for the rest of our lives. Amen? How many of you are different today than you were the day you met Jesus? Raise your hand. That's good. That's awesome. I'm very proud of you. How many of you are different today than you were yesterday? Come on. Because you see, the Bible says that if you are a follower of Jesus, then your life is going to change. So a good indicator if you're still following Jesus or not is, is your life still changing? You see, I believe a lot of people in church today, they get to a certain point where they've changed and then they say, okay, I'm good. I'm good right here, Lord. I don't cuss no more. I quit beating the dog. My wife loves me. I'm good. I'll keep tithing so I can get a pay raise. I'm good, Lord. And every time the Holy Spirit comes around, you go, me, oh, my, pass me on by. I found my place. I'm good right here. Right? I know a lot of people like that. I know that if I'm not careful, I can be like that. Right? Listen, I hate change. I ain't going to lie to you. I hate change. My wife and I are talking about buying new furniture eventually. As much as I hate my furniture now, I'm afraid to get something that's going to be worse. Are you hearing me? I mean, the sofa's broke down. When you sit in it, you got a gangster lean. Okay, the recliners, I love the recliners when I bought them. And then when we got them to the house, 
They were already broke in, and now they're like wore out. I don't like change before it happens, but I like change after it happens. Amen? I am glad I'm not like I used to be. I did a wedding a year ago from one of my cousins, and I don't see my family very often. And I'd been away from them for several years. And I walk into this thing, and I got my suit on, and we're at uh, a golf course in Lafayette. They got a banquet hall and all this big old to-do thing. And, and my family's they're dirt contractors. I mean, they're rough and rugged. None of them have a high school education. That's where I come from, okay? And back when I was living with them before I met Jesus, I was just like them. The pattern of my life was is that I was eventually going to be divorced and, and just life wasn't going to be peaceful. So I walk into this wedding and the first one I see, the first words they tell me, blankety, blank, you're fat. It's like, dang. So it's good to see you too. And so the whole night, you know, it kind of went on. And that's just their way. I mean, that's how they are. They're just, whatever goes here goes out here. You find, some, some of you are like that. Whatever comes into this goes out here. And you spend most of your life going, oh, man. And so at the end of the night, me and, me and Cheryl are leaving, and I go, wow. I used to be just like that. Whatever came here came out here, and I didn't care about anybody's feelings. Are you following me? I just I begin to thank God that he changed me. I begin to understand why he pulled me away from my family. Come on. Some of you might need to get away from your family. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be changing. Changing. Not have changed and then quit changing. You should be changing. Amen? So if you, you need to evaluate your life. If you're not changing, you need to question what's going on or what's not going on. Usually if you're not changing, you're not in relationship with Jesus. Amen? Come on, because you know how it is when you get in a relationship with Jesus. It's all good. Worship, oh, Lord. Oh, praise you, God. I love you, Lord. You're so great. You're so awesome. Oh, Lord. And then you want to slip in the Lord, evaluate my heart. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord. Then he starts to. And he shows you your rottenness. And he shows you something you need to change, right? For some of you, the reason you have a short, quiet time in the morning is because you want to spill on God, but you don't want him to spill on you. Amen? Let's look at Jesus' response to this. The man wanted to justify his actions, verse 29, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus, Jesus replies with a story. Or a parable, okay? If you read your Bible and it says a parable, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, okay? You need to read it like an earthly story, but you need to look for the heavenly meaning. That's a parable. Don't be afraid of it. It's just a story. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. 
A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised, say despised, and you need to underline that in your Bible. A despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with oil, with olive oil and wine, and bandaged them. So this guy's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. In those days, Jerusalem was the blessed city. Jericho was the cursed city. This guy was on a journey to curses. He was on a journey from good to bad. It was a 17-mile trip, okay? And he was taking this journey. If you really dig deep into it, you say this man was probably backsliding. He was a Jew, God's chosen people, okay? And he was on a journey to the land of curses, And along the way, some bandits come, beat him up, rob him, steal everything he's got, and leave him on the side of the road half dead. Be careful when you start running from Jesus. And we'll leave that right there. So all of a sudden, a priest comes by. Now, the priest had the first five books of the Bible memorized. I mean, these were the priests, people. Are you hearing me? If anybody should have stopped and helped this man, it should have been the priest. If anybody knew what to do, it should have been the priest. It says the priest looked at him and then went over to the other side of the road and passed him on by. Now, you know how we've, we all see people in need from time to time. Sometimes you see them on the side of the road holding the sign. Come on. And you, if you're in Lafayette or you're in one of these big cities and they got two lanes and you're at the intersection, you're trying to get over to the other side, right? Come on, let's be honest this morning. Or that, that somebody approaches you at the gas station and gives you this long, drawn-out story about how they broke down and they're on this journey to God's promised land somewhere and they need $5. What do you do? I don't always give them $5. I think that's foolish. I give them gas. What do you need? Gas? I'll give you some gas. You hungry? Let's go get something to eat. Come on. You ain't getting my cash. So the priest passes him on by. Now maybe he was late for a Bible study. Maybe he was late for a church service. <laughs> Said like a mama. That's no excuse. <laughs> so the man's lying there. I wonder if he saw the priest. You know, I got to thinking, did, did he see the priest? This was a Jewish man. He was from the priest's people. Are you hearing me? Then came a guy from the temple, or a guy that works in the church, basically. He comes along next, sees the man lying half dead, looks at him, and crosses and passes him on by. Doesn't help him. Remember, Jesus is explaining to this expert who is questioning Jesus, who is your neighbor, right? So then here comes this guy, and and the Bible calls him a Samaritan. Okay, and you've all heard Good Samaritan and all those things. I think it really comes from this story. 
Here comes a Samaritan. But let me tell you something about Samaritans. When the Jewish people used to pray, they prayed that there was two things they thanked God they would never be. A Samaritan and a woman. They looked at Samaritans as dogs. I'm serious. Looked at them as dogs. Isn't it funny? Jewish guy on his way to a land of curses ends up beat up in the ditch and who's coming to help him? The one he was probably thinking God he would never be. That would humble me. Amen? Let me give you a little confession just because the Holy Spirit just jumped on me and I need to confess. I had this guy and I wanted to borrow some equipment from him. He's got plenty of equipment and he's a dirt contractor. And and I've talked bad about him. Pastor Jay, don't you judge me. You probably talk bad about me. I talked bad about him a couple times. Knew I shouldn't have. And so later on, I repented to God about it, but I never confessed it to him. So I called him up thinking that he's not going to let me borrow a piece of equipment. I actually wanted to call him and rent it from him. So I called him up. I humbled myself. I called him up. I said, hey, I said, I, I need a dozer. I said, can I, can I rent one from you? He goes, man, I'm not going to charge you rent. It wouldn't be worth it for me to charge you rent. Just let me know when you need it, and I'll have my guys send it over there to you. I said, do I need to pay you to deliver it or anything? No, man, don't worry about that. We'll catch it up later. I hung the phone up, and I ate crow the rest of the day. Are you hearing me? It's getting hot in here. Just wait till you start confessing. And it's funny how that happens, that a Samaritan comes along and saves this guy. So let's continue on. The Bible says that going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Wow. He didn't just bandage him up and send him on his way. He put him on his own ride. He put, it, he put the bloody fella in his Lexus on his leather seats. I ain't going to lie to you. The, the thoughts, if I had a Lexus and the guy was broken down, he was beating up on the side of the street, bleeding, I would have thought maybe I ought to stick him in the trunk. <laughs> I'm being real this morning. I don't know about you, but I mean, it's, we, we can cover up the trunk. I mean, you get that thing whatever, change the carpet or something. But he puts this guy on his, on his own mule or his own donkey, and he takes him to a place to take care of him. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> it's funny how Jesus makes the most unlikely person the hero in his stories, huh? You know, sometimes people think that you're the most unlikely person. You know how some people believe about Christians today? Let me tell you how a lot of people believe about Christians today. They believe that Christians are stuck-up, arrogant, self-righteous people who will never bow down and never help nobody else out. They're goody-two-shoes. Come on. You've heard that before. 
Oh, Lord, they're a Christian. Can't call them for help. They'll never come help you on a Sunday. It's a sin to miss church. Come on. You know, the crazy thing is, is that those of us that aren't like that, we have to live under that. Are you hearing me? We're living under the reputation of a bunch of Christian bums. Come on. So how do you disprove that? And how do you change people's thinking? You become the hero, right? Saved people serve people. We need to start serving people. Come on. You want somebody to change? Serve them. You don't like your boss? Serve him. Serve them. Do something they're not expecting you to do. You know how you find out what to do? You pray. You simply pray. Instead of complaining to God about the person, won't you start praying to God to give you some wisdom on how to help the person? Listen to me. Another job is not always the answer. Because there's another bad boss at the next job. I left the job one time, thought I worked for the worst guy ever. I went to work for the worst guy ever. He trained the other guy I was working for. He was the master. I even got fed up one time and quit. Walked off the job. I said, I quit. I can't take it no more. Walked off the job. Me and my wife were eating supper that night. The Holy Spirit said, go back. It was one of those, what you talking about, Willis? What do you mean go back? Humbled myself. The next morning, I I went back. (laughs) You know what he told me? Well, you came back for the money, huh? I kind of laughed. I went, (laughs) no. (laughs) I said, the Lord told me to come back. What I really wanted to say was, I don't like you, but God made me come back. (laughs) Right? That's how I really felt. You are no good blankety blank, but Jesus made me come back. I had to serve that man. Amen? Let me give you something in Matthew. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. You getting something so far? Matthew 20, 28. Jesus speaking. He says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Not even Jesus Christ himself came to be served. He came to serve. Think about that. Jesus Christ, the most royal, the most holy, the most righteous, the most pure and clean and glorious God there is, came down to this despised place and became like us. There's a hurricane in New York City and everybody's freaking out. And so what does the president do? He drives over. He does a flyby. To, for what? For the publicity. You want to impress me? Get out your helicopter, roll your pants legs up, and get out there and help somebody. That's what Jesus did. Amen? Jesus became sin for us. 
in all of his royalty and majesty. He came down here not to be served. That's why people had a hard time realizing that he was Jesus. Because they expected Jesus to come with, with white horses and golden chariots and all this. And he came as a common man. And hung out with common folk. He wasn't hanging out with the rich and the famous. He was hanging out with people like you and me. And unless you happen to be rich and famous and I don't know about it, I'm sorry. He did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, because Jesus came to serve, he became the ransom for my life and your life. Jesus served me into the kingdom. Come on. He served me into the kingdom. Man, if Jesus can serve, surely I can serve. Right? Come on. Sometimes we won't serve people because we're teaching them a lesson. Right? Come on. You won't give to somebody because they need to learn their lesson. And sometimes that's true. I'll give it to you. Sometimes that's true, but I think that we use that as an excuse too many times. You know, so-and-so needs help. They're struggling financially. I can't tell you how many times I've said this. Yeah, well, they can go buy cigarettes, and they can buy beer. They can get themselves out of this financial situation. Is that true? Yes, that's true. That is 100% true. If you can't pay your electric bill and you, you token on a cigarette, something ain't right. Are you hearing me? But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want me to step in and supernaturally bless you and show you something different. God doesn't want me, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want me to judge you. He wants me to step in and serve you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, we're good at judging. Right? And we cracked, we cracked the, the Gauntlet or whatever it is on somebody hard and quick. Well, they're this and they're that. And I ain't helping them until they change that. Amen. You know, you ain't going to change until you start seeing like Jesus sees. You know, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. It doesn't say it's the judgment of God. Think about this. Does God want a bunch of people coming to him because they're scared? Or because they love him? It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. If I've ever repented hard, if I've ever had just incredible times of repentance, it's been after God has done something good to me undeserved you see there's a hurting world outside these walls and they got plenty of people judging them plenty of people pointing fingers at them plenty of people trying to fix them sometimes it's just simply serve them amen simply serve them you may have to look past their junk to see the promise in them. 
But when you start to see like Jesus sees, you start to look past their trash. Are you hearing me? And you start to see the little places of promise in their life. I was at Doug's house yesterday and we were clearing out some of his woods in his backyard and it was, it was pretty thick. And you couldn't really see what was in there. You couldn't see the promise of the land. You couldn't see how good it could possibly look until you got the trash out the way, right? So we start pushing all this underbrush and all these things out the way. We start clearing it and doing all that. And when we stepped back, we looked and there's these big old oak trees that you don't dare tear down. Are you hearing me? Some people can't see the oak trees in the midst of the underbrush. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some people can't see the promise in another person because they're too focused on the person's junk, too focused on their underbrush. Look past their junk and look at the promise in their life. A sign of true spiritual maturity is when you help somebody else become who they're supposed to be in God. And you stop trying to help yourself. Number two. We need to respond as Jesus leads. We need to respond when Jesus leads or as Jesus leads. In other words, when Jesus puts somebody on your heart, you need to respond. I bet every one of you, and if I'm lying, you can show me. But I want you to raise your hand if you had a thought about somebody else this week. Did you have a thought about somebody? Did somebody else pop into your mind? Raise your hand up. Come on, don't make me out to be a liar because you won't raise your hand. Did you actually think about somebody? Do you know that was God putting somebody else on your heart? If you weren't paying attention, you may have needed to pray for them. You may have needed to call them. You may have needed to even show up. Uninvited. Are you hearing me? We need to respond as Jesus leads. There's this word in our our culture today that we don't like, and it's called authority. Right? Who likes the word authority? Unless it's not, if it's not your your title. (laughs) Come on, you know about authority. You know those police officers with the lights on the cars? That have authority, right? I remember one time I was a young man and I was driving home on a Friday afternoon from work and my uncle was riding with me and another guy and we're going down Highway 90 heading to Franklin and I'm flying. I mean, it's payday, baby. Come on. It's Friday. <laughs> Has something to do. I'm flying down the road. All of a sudden, woo! Pull over. <laughs> what did I do? I didn't run. I was in a single cab pickup truck. I wasn't about to run. I pulled over. I pull over and the, and the cop comes out and says, Let me see your license, son. You were speeding. That's why I pulled you over. I was like, yes, sir, I know. It's funny, I didn't call nobody else sir that day until the officer came. He says, uh, he grabs my license, he looks at it, he goes, Tyler. I said, yes, sir. He says, do you know Virginia Tyler? I said, yes, sir. That's my mama. And he didn't say nothing. I was like, well, surely he knows my mom. Let me start up a little conversation, see if I can get out of this thing. Right? So I was like, so, how do you know my mom? And he looks at me and goes, I don't know her personally. I just wrote her up 30 minutes ago. <laughs> I said, 
okay. It's like, dang it. So I went back to the office. My mom was working at the office. I told my uncle, I said, come on, we're going to mess with my mom. I walked in her office, and I had my head down. I threw the, the ticket on her desk. I said, look what I got. And, boy, she, she was about to light up and, I mean, just light me up and give me the what for. I said, hold up. The same one that got you is the one that got me. <laughs> and we laughed about it, but it was expensive. <laughs> it hurt the Tyler family that day. Huh. But there's this thing called authority, and you have to respond to that authority, right? If you don't, you get yourself in more what? The last two times I've gotten speeding tickets, I've tried to get them fixed. Right? You ever try to get them fixed? What happens when it don't work? Nobody calls you or you give them the wrong address. The last two times it's been a wrong address. Can I, can I confess? <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this. I've had two bench warrants out for, my, for me over the last eight months. Because I thought I was getting a ticket fixed. Now, 10 years prior to this, I swore I would never get another ticket fixed because it happened to me 10 years ago on two tickets. And I had a bench warrant out for me. My insurance company was calling me. You got a bench warrant out for you. You need to go see the DA. I'm like, what? I never had a warrant out for me. Slow down, Pastor. Go ahead and say it. It's all over your face. Slow down, Pastor. I know. I've heard it and I feel it in the pocketbook. But we've got to respond to authority, right? Listen to me. When Jesus puts somebody on your heart, he expects you to respond. One of the things I love about my pastor is that anytime God puts somebody on his heart, he is quick to call them. If they don't answer, he prays for them. Before I even became friends with him, I just met him. He, he called me out the blue, and it was always when I was hurting, always when I was facing a big decision, and I felt like I was all alone. He would call me. Save people, serve people. Luke 10, verse 34, 35 says that, Says it this way. He says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I come here. He made provisions for this guy. He even took care of his future. Are you hearing me? He paid the bill for him. Let me give you three ways the Samaritan was involved in this guy's life. And it's three ways we need to get involved in other people's lives. You ready for this? Number one, we need to get involved with other people spiritually. You need to spiritually. See, somebody's getting busted right now. I, my, tent, my, my nerves got tight. Did y'all see that? I was looking in my mirror. No. No, it's all good. I'm all good. I'm not going to jail. Number one, you need to get involved in people's lives spiritually. You know what the oil represents in this story? Oil in the Bible represents God's spirit. This man soothed the Jewish man with oil. 
with the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes you don't need to actually say something to somebody. You don't even actually need to do something to somebody. You may just need to pray for somebody. Are you hearing me? But why is it so hard to pray for people? It's a good question. It's because you're not obeying the authority in your life. When you understand Jesus' authority, you understand that when he puts somebody on your heart, you need to pray for them. You need to call them. You need to respond. Amen? So we need to take spiritual involvement in other people's lives. You need to pray for your church. You need to pray for your pastors. You need to pray for the leaders. You need to pray for your friends. Pray for your boss. The Bible says to even pray for your enemies. It even says to bless your enemies. The second way we get involved is physical. We need to physically get involved with some people. Amen? I remember a time I, when we were living in Jennings and my neighbor, a couple streets down, there was another young couple in the neighborhood and we really wanted to reach out to them. And I had previously invited them to a, a life group and they kind of freaked out and did kind of step back from us, you know, because I guess it was weird for them. But, but I really wanted to reach out to them. So one day me, me and Cheryl just got into a fight that morning. It was a Saturday morning. She was fussing because I wasn't doing nothing around the house. And so I got mad. I grabbed the mop and the bucket and I started mopping. <laughs> So horrible. Did you ever do that? I'm talking about I, whatever it is out of anger. Okay, that's it. So I'm mopping these floors and I'm mad and frustrated. And I look out the window and the guy's got a, a, a dump trailer full of concrete he broke up out of his backyard. And all he's got is this Ford Expedition, his wife's vehicle, his grocery go getter. To pull it to the dump. And I just bought a Ford F-250 crew cab, XLT Lariat crew cab, just four-wheel drive, FX4, had DVD player, mud tires, a super chip in it. That's jacked up. It cranked. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to go help him. So I was out mopping. And I get to go pull some concrete. See you. So <laughs> I took off. I went across, jumped in my truck. She was like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to do the work of the Lord. And so I left and I, I drove across. She said, hey, you want me to pull this to the dump for you? First, he said, oh, no, man. I got it. I said, no, bro, seriously. I just, so I had, to, I had to throw it in an excuse. I said, I just, I, I'm buying and I'm test driving. I just want to see what it can do. So can I help you? I said, oh, yeah, if, if that's the case. And I was testing it out that weekend, so. I hooked on to it, man. We took off to the dump, and we're going, and I'm just talking, chit-chatting, and burning the tires out with a trailer full of concrete at the stops. I was like, man, this thing runs. So we get to the dump. We dump it. We're coming back. He says, man, stop at the store. I'll buy you a beer. I'm like, I'm good. Well, I'll stop at the store, man. So we stop at the store. He says, what you drinking? I said, Gatorade. He's like, you don't want a beer? I was like, nah, man, I quit that a long time ago. I said, I don't need that no more. I served him. He was once freaked out about me because I was a Christian. But I went and served him. And I helped him. And it opened up a door. Are you hearing me? He would stop after that. Come walk down the street. Visit with me. We would talk. I hadn't led him to Christ. I hadn't led him to the Lord. I believe I sowed some good seeds. And I believe that one day there's going to be a harvest. I believe that. 
And I'm fine with that because I did what I was called to do. Amen? So if you ever want to get out of mop in the kitchen, find somebody to go serve. <laughs> right? <laughs> At some point, your faith has to collide with your responsibility. Man, it's not about how much you know. Listen to me. Some of you won't serve because you don't think you know enough. It has diddly squat to do with what you know. It's what you do. Amen. You don't have to know the Bible to go help somebody to be Jesus. You don't have to have read the Bible for one hour that morning to actually go and and help somebody. And it helps. But you don't have to do that. It's not what you know. It's what you do. When you get to heaven, God's not going to be interested in how many scriptures you memorized. Are you hearing me? He's not going to be interested in how many scriptures you told somebody else that was lost. He's going to be interested in whether or not you became Jesus to them. Either you're getting tired of what I'm saying or you're getting bored. Okay. Because, man, you need to see your face. I'm putting mirrors up and telling you right now. Mirrors on the back wall so you can see what you look like. You still look good, though. The third way we need to get involved in people's lives is financially. Sometimes you need to let go of your treasure. Are you hearing me? You might say, well, Pastor, you don't know my bills. You don't know what I got. You don't know, you don't know how much I'm struggling. Maybe the reason you're struggling is because you're not giving. Because my Bible says that when you give, the floodgates of heaven are going to be opened up to you. No floodgates. What's wrong? I ain't got a thousand dollars sitting in the bank. I don't care. Fifty cents is fine. You want to serve somebody? Go to Washington. You take your two fifty cents, your two silver coins, like this guy did. Take your two silver coins. Go to the to the laundry mat and put them in somebody else's machine and see what happens. Not only is his clothes going to get washed, but your life's going to get washed. Something's going to change. If they ask you why you did it, say, man, Jesus told me to do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you never let go of your treasure, if you never open your hands, if you never let God get it through you, then he's going to quit getting it to you. Are you hearing me? I know things are tight. I've been in a place before where it hurt to tithe. Right, Cheryl? It hurt to tithe. Times we look at, man, we can't afford to tithe. No, baby, we can't afford not to tithe. You know, what's funny is you don't go to Outback and eat a blooming onion and get you a 16-ounce steak with a baked potato fully loaded, a couple glasses of sweet tea, this is really going to hurt you because it's getting close to lunchtime. And then after that, you order a chocolate thunder from down under. And then when the waiter brings the bill, you say, oh, no, I'm going to pay a Cracker Barrel. They need to upgrade their facilities. You don't do that, do you? You pay where you were fed. Are you hearing me? You pay where you're fed. I remember Pastor Jacob taught me that lesson one time in a joking way. I went down to, to Broussard to the church in Broussard when I was a children's pastor to, 
to observe their children's ministry and see what I could do to change some things in Jennings. So I went and I, I went ahead and went early for the early service. So I sat through one of Pastor Jacob's messages and sat through the whole service. And after he goes, man, God, what you doing over here? I said, oh, man, I'm coming to hang out at, the, at your children's church to see what I can gain. And he goes, oh, great. He goes, uh, did you tithe? I said, well, no, I tithe in Jennings. He said, man, you don't eat at McDonald's and pay at Wendy's, do you? And he was joking with me, okay? But there was a, a deep lesson there. You may need to help somebody or get involved in somebody's life financially. Sometimes that's given to the church. Sometimes that's on an individual basis. Are you hearing me? Some of you have no problem giving to the church. Some of you do. Some of you have no problem giving to people outside of the church. Some of you do. The question is, is are you doing what Jesus is telling you to do? Because that's what's important. Amen? Verse 36 and 37, I'm going to wrap this up. The Samaritan says about the Jewish man to the innkeeper, he says, take care of this man. If his bill's higher than this, I'll pay the next time I'm here. Verse 36. Now, which of these, Jesus speaking to the expert again. Now, which of these, you say, was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, watch this, the one who showed him mercy. Why is mercy in there? Why is mercy in there? Why did he say that? Why did he say the guy that is the neighbor is the one that showed him mercy? Because if you remember, the Jewish people prayed that they would never, or thank God that they weren't Samaritans. They saw Samaritans as dogs. This guy had the right to be mad at this Jewish man. If anybody out of those three guys had the right to pass that guy on by, it was the Samaritan. Right? He had the right. In in the world's eyes, the legitimate right to say, that's what you get for talking about me. God punished you. However you want to say it. Right? He was the only one that had the right to do that. But it's funny that he was the only one that showed mercy. You know why he showed him mercy? Because he was able to see as Jesus saw. He was able to see this Jewish man as Jesus saw him. And when Jesus, you got to know this, when Jesus looks at you, he looks past your junk. He looks straight at your promise. Are you hearing me? When you know you're starting to see like Jesus sees, you get less concerned about people's problems and more concerned about their heart and their relationship with Jesus. That's when we really start to see like Jesus sees. Amen. Saved people serve people. I'm going to wrap it up right here. Save people, serve people. The question is, is are you serving somebody? Because if you're not serving somebody, you're going to be very frustrated in this church. Because this is our core value. This is what we believe in. We do things. We do events. We do projects. We do outreaches, outreaches with the mindset of we're going to serve somebody. We did our Go Big campaign. Remember that a couple months ago? 
One Sunday afternoon, we all stepped out of our comfort zone and we walked the streets and the neighbors all back here. And we knocked on doors, not knowing what people were going to say. And we invited them to a, a go big celebration, a block party, whatever we wanted to call it, all during the week. And we invited their kids. We told them there was going to be free supper and all this. I remember there's one, one young couple I walked up. I was walking up to their house, and they're all sitting on the front porch drinking and smoking. And this poor girl, she looked like she had been out there. You know what I'm saying? Looked like she'd live a rough life. And she's sitting there, and she's, she looks at them. I wonder what they want. As we're walking up, you find, I heard her. I saw her say it. Now, I could have decided to say, you know what? Forget you and your bad attitude. That's the reason you're in the position you are. I could have done that and walked on by. But you know what? Jesus changed my life. And I saw past her junk. And I walked right up to her and said, hey, I'm from our Savior's church back here. I'm not trying to get nothing from you, so just relax. I don't want you to give me anything. I'm not here to get your money. I just want to invite you to a block party. I see you got these little kids running around here. I said, I'd love to see them come hang out at the block party. I gave them the time and the dates and all that, told them what was going to happen. And I turned around, and me and Cheryl and the kids, and we walked off. They didn't show up. So does that mean I failed? No. You know what that means? I changed her viewpoint of Christians. I sowed a seed of kindness and goodness and gentleness. I didn't turn and walk to the other side of the street and go around them. I could have. I wonder what would have happened if I would have. Instead, I faced it and I showed them mercy and I walked up to them and I just compassionately spoke to them. And it was, it was, honestly, it was probably one of the best houses we stopped at because God showed me something right there. He showed me how much he's changed me because the old me would have said, screw you. I'm sorry, that sounds crude, but I'd have said it just like that. Forget this. I'm done with you. I had enough. When I say those words, I can hear God's heart breaking. You know why? Because he never said that to me. He never said, forget you, Jamie. You're, you're a lost cause. You're a waste he saw the promise in me. And he served me. Even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, there's people in the back back there serving you right now, some of you. For some of you, there's people back there changing your kids' dirty diapers in the name of Jesus. And trust me, it's got to be in the name of Jesus. <laughs> You're like, Lord, whew, heal this baby. <laughs> Can we stand up this morning? Is that what you want? You want to live a life of service? I believe when we respond to God's authority, he gets excited. I believe all heaven rejoices when we decide to step out of our comfort zone and do something different that he's put on our heart to do. Amen? 
I believe the only way we'll ever hear good and faithful, good job, my good and faithful servant, or well done when we get to heaven is when we serve other people. When we realize it's not about me, myself, and I, it's about others. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your power and your presence, Father. I thank you for your authority, Lord. I thank you that you know who's hurting and who's in need. Father, I thank you that you orchestrate us when we're willing to work with you, Lord, when we're willing to respond. You orchestrate our days. You, you ordain our steps, Lord. You direct our steps. You lead us in the places where we have opportunities to serve people. Lord, you want us to succeed in this, in this thing called life and ministry, Father. You want us to succeed. You, you set us up, Father. You want to fulfill us, and we, you know where it's found. You know that we're fulfilled when we help other people, Lord. That's where true fulfillment comes, Father. Lord, help us to be a full church. A church filled with people that are full of your presence, full of your power, full of your spirit, Lord, because we've stepped out and we've served other people. I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for your word. Change us, oh God. I believe we all want to be followers of Jesus. Lord, I pray for those that have stopped following. I pray they'll stand up and follow this morning. Stand up. Stand up and follow in the name of Jesus, I pray. For those of us that are nervous about serving other people, those of us that are struggling with maybe people we just have a hard time showing mercy to, Lord, help us to be merciful. Lord, your word says that those that give away mercy receive mercy. That's just a promise from you, Lord, that if we'll give mercy away, you'll give it back to us. Lord, set us up. Set us up to serve people. I pray, Lord, that you would put people in our place, put people in our path that need to be served. Lord, give us the courage and the the audacity to believe you and to serve them, Lord, whether it's spiritually, physically, financially, whatever it is, Lord, I just pray that you give us that courage and that strength. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Is it good?